Welcome back to this week's installment of Expand Your Mind and Be Kind. Thanks for joining Ryan and I on our adventure, and I hope everyone enjoys our episode. Thank you. All right, this week's quote is by former U.S. President Barack Obama. He said, We are the first generation to feel the effect of climate change, and also the last generation who can do something about it. Some powerful words by Barack Obama back in his term. Hello, Jim. Hello, Ryan. Hello, How was your... Oh, go ahead. Oh, uh, I was just going to say hello. Was it me you're looking for? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, welcome back to Expand Your Mind and Be Kind. This week, Ryan and I are going to talk about how we're going to jet- jettison ourselves out into space here in the next couple of years. Yeah, that's uh, that's exactly what we're going to talk about, and also how uh, how what hourglasses are made, and why or when you would use one for your own purposes. Right, they use it as a countdown before you blast yourself out of the space. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Actually, I actually saw an an NPR article the other day that Tom Cruise apparently is wanting to be shot out into space by SpaceX. <laughs> he does his own stunts, so that's not surprising. Yeah, he, he wants to do it, and he, I guess he's wealthy enough. So, uh, power to you, Tom Cruise. Yeah, you strange man. Yes. All right, so. This week, uh, we are going to talk about the opposite of space, actually. We're going to talk about down here on Earth, and specifically climate change. Yeah. And we just wanted to discuss some things and see where the conversation goes, and I don't know. We'll see what happens. And Jim and I are kind of, our initiative that we're launching um, is called Climate Stay the Same. And it's, <laughs> it's basically uh, trying to reverse or slow down the effects that we as humans are having on the environment. So stay tuned for that right. initiative. We're going to call it uh, Climate Change Worldwide. Why? On a serious note, uh, Jim, uh, we we both did a little bit of extra research on this topic to mm-hmm. lend some credibility to things that we would be saying, but also to back up what we would be saying with some information from science, because there are people out there that um, do not believe that humans have had an impact on the climate and how it has changed. Um, and do you, do you want to share what you found and what you read? So I went to a, a couple of different sites, but I thought the most concise information was actually, uh, on climate.nasa.gov. Um, 
there's a lot of really straightforward uh laid out numbers that they gave which i thought was pretty pretty interesting um so for like example uh they they list out like there's proven global temperature rise there is a proven warming of the oceans there's a proven shrinking of the ice sheets there is a glacial retreat in the mountains around the world there is a decrease in snowfall and cover around the world and there is a sea level rise throughout the world it's actually been eight inches in the last century which is uh the rate in the last two decades has essentially doubled it's it's, wow yeah like if you live on the on the if you have a beach house it may not be there for too too many more years we'll see and then and then arctic uh sea ice so like the huge caps at each pole are shrinking we're having a record number of extreme uh, natural disasters, extreme events, and our oceans are acidifying. Their pH is dropping, which is upsetting the balance of life. Yeah. So uh, it is happening, and whether or not we would like to uh agree with the facts or close our eyes ears and throw reason out the window it's still happening i really uh really like the quote that you shared too because i feel like that really encapsulates the uh the the pressing nature of us dealing with climate change um before we get into a discussion about anything else, I, I do want to share a couple of things that if, if for any other reason um, you want to look out for yourself and your family uh, as far as the motivation to help mm-hmm. uh, with climate change, these are three reasons why you would want to consider helping. So number one, if you like beer, which I know Jim and I do, um, you uh, could potentially be paying a lot more money for beer due to decreased supply because climate change is threatening the key ingredients that you need to make beer, water, barley, and hops. Um, some breweries have actually shown and encountered shortages of clean water. Uh, barley crops have been damaged because there's been heavy rain and hops need water and have been plagued by drought. A uh, 2018 study suggested there will be dr- dramatic decreases in beer supply and increasing beer prices due to extreme drought and heat brought on by climate change in the coming decades. I have a feeling so, that if this is like the only thing that gets you uh, riled up about climate change, uh, you, you should. This is an important one for the for the beer lovers out there. Mm-hmm. I've got two more. So this next one is food prices. So if you like to eat, Jim and I do. I <laughs> think everybody does as well. Heat waves and drought during the past several years have actually connected to fluctuating wheat prices, uh, which is actually a 20% spike in European and United States markets uh, during a three-week period in 2018. And on a global level, 
when the staples of everyday life suddenly become unaffordable, the devastating impact can include widespread (laughs) civil unrest. Um, People freak out when they aren't able to have food or available. Uh, And experts predict that climate change will lead to lower yields of maize and wheat, seriously disrupting the food supply of Africa and Central America, who already face some of those challenges. And finally, if you are a coffee drinker, to be a beating drum, Jim and I are both coffee drinkers. Most coffee comes from the Arabica coffee tree, which thrives in on cool mountain slopes. And as Jim mentioned in his information, retreating glacial um, elements and mountain ranges. As climate changes raise temperatures in coffee growing regions, coffee growers have had to go farther up into the mountains to find cool air. And short-term fix in Ethiopia, for example, a top producer of Arabica, they could lose up to 59% of the coffee growing area to climate change by the end of the 21st century. Globally, we could lose up to 50% of the land suitable for growing coffee by the middle of the century, 2050. So those are a few reasons. And I got that information from the uh, Environmental Defense Fund website, edf.org. So if you're interested in checking the sources there, that's where I got that. Um, Those are a few reasons why you should consider contributing in some way. Uh, one One of the things that people do is they either deny that we have an impact or they think it's too big and I'd, we can't do anything. Yeah. And, and so, so Jim, what, what, a uh, when did this topic really come onto your radar as something that was concerning? Honestly, for me, probably as a kid watching the president Bush Al Gore debates, you know, because oh, yeah. I had, had a really politically active family, so we did watch those when I was a kid. I had to watch those. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, I just remember, like, the Al Gore just ca- talking about climate change a whole lot. And was, he's making it like this big platform, and I didn't really understand. And then what it, the thing is, I was being told was you know, a bunch of, it was like a lot of naysaying stuff, like, oh, you know, the, the this is this is a bunch of lies. You shouldn't listen to these lies, kind of thing. And I didn't buy that. So I like started reading some things on my own. And this is this is the era, like the early two thousands was kind of the time when the internet was really starting to be alive and kicking. And you know, as a kid, I would go onto like Wikipedia and. I'm probably not the most reputable site, but like I'd just look at stuff. I was, and I'd have like discussions with family members. Um, I remember uh, my uncle Dave, who is uh, he has since passed, but he's he's a scientist. He uh, actually taught to he was a professor of organic chemistry, and I just remember like talking to him, like he was like, because whenever I had. Uh, trouble understanding things he i mean he i would talk to him and he would just explain away he loved to and i don't know i i think at a fairly young age i was exposed to 
the seriousness of climate change. How about yourself? Yeah. Well, um, other than the occasional documentary that I think I had seen, most of it was related to wildlife. You know, I think from a very young age, uh, I had seen whether it's a nature show or just a general documentary about the world. And, and it would be brought up where it's like the global temperature of the earth is raising every year and the oceans are warming. And these are things that we should be concerned about. But, but for some reason, I mean, when you're young, you, well, one, you don't feel like you could have any impact because you right. don't really even fully understand what you could do to help. Um, mm-hmm. But I think it's also the problem that's kind of plagued Uh, our species for a long time is well the next generation will deal with that or the next person will figure it out Um, and I don't know if I ever felt like that but I definitely felt like well that's not something that we need to be concerned with immediately because things are but I mean even within our lifetime we've seen a huge uptick in extreme weather events and Mm -hmm. um, just like you mentioned and some of the things that you listed off at the beginning of our episode there sea levels are rising and the the just the amount of tumult and dynamic weather interactions happening drought all all those different kinds of things it's weird because people say like well if the if the climate is changing then why are we still getting snow and like all these different kinds of things but, right um right anyway that it, yeah that's that's i and I, I i hear that actually a fair amount and it's that is a very ignorant place because it's not about like these global warming everywhere's a desert now that's that's the extreme it's the small differences that are so dangerous. I mean, you know, I got my degree in biology and I, I feel like, and I did an internship, a biology internship as well. Um, like I have a fairly good understanding of how ecosystems work and how like animals live and thrive and exist coexist with like plants and their environment and when you start changing things too quickly it has like catastrophic effects i mean just as an example the warming oceans since 1969 they have gone up 0.4 degrees fahrenheit which is like oh well what's that that small change can drastically change the way that gases exist in the water, the that different bacterium and algae exist in waters, and uh, like uh, things that happen on such a micro scale in the environment that actually end up affecting animals at the top. Like everything has a cause and effect, and so when everything is changing and it changes at a rate that the world buffer system can't handle or that the ecosystems really can't adapt to fast enough, you can have terrible, terrible events happening. Yeah. I remember I read an article last week, um, like over 300 African elephants 
were just found dead in Botswana because all of the drinking water in the entire area was completely uh, tainted with uh, blue-green algae, which wow, only only awful. grows, yeah, which only grows in still water and in like perfect like hot temperatures. So, yeah, things like that. Changes in the micro changes in the ecosystem can have profound effects. Yeah, that's and also to make a comparison, the human body, right? The human body, right. any slight change in temperature or um, alkalinity or acidity can really mess up your. I mean, right. it's 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 pretty insane how how little changes can have kind of a rippling effect um, through the rest and. Um, so in, in that case, when we have conversations with people who don't believe in climate change and, and their argument is, well, the earth is just going through a cycle and it goes through a warming and cooling pattern. Mm-hmm. What, like, how do we approach those conversations with people? What, what should we do to advocate for a belief in climate change. Honestly, I think that is like the number one thing that is cited against global warming. I mean, like you have 99% of the scientific community that is not just like casually mentioning, they firmly believe and are advocating for the fact that our world is being affected and we need to do things to counterbalance it. Otherwise, we will be in a place of hurt. And not just us, but then the life that exists on Earth and uh, our way of lives as well. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the we ha- like that is part of the current theory of or the th- the current facts of climate change. We are in a warming cycle because we're we're you know because our Earth goes through ice ages. It's like every like hundred thousand years or something like that. I don't know I, the exact year, but we go through warming and cooling cycles. It's just the way our Earth uh, kind of maintains its. I don't know, um, but the point is, is that during this warming cycle we're warming way too fast and it's all about that speed like organisms can adapt fast enough we can't adapt fast enough you know if if the sea levels continue to rise and everything is happening exponentially by the way so it's not going to be like one day we're going to be like oh see there the sea levels are rising we can we can actually see this one this this year it's too late at that point you know yeah so Um, well well, uh, Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to no, say, I'm... like, uh, um, it's all about the speed of which the planet is warming right now. See, because I, I heard that the we should actually be going through a cooling pattern right now, that the Earth is supposed to be cooling to the next ice age, which I think is supposed to happen in like 5,000 years or something like that. I did not know that. 
Yeah, I was listening uh, to a podcast with a climate scientist. Her name is Catherine Hayhoe, and she was saying that she's basically addressing some of the concerns that people have about climate change. And one of the things that was brought up was volcanic eruptions and mm-hmm. how people have argued that volcanic eruptions warm the earth. Um, and she says, actually, if the volcanic eruption is strong enough, it cools the earth because it shoots ash and kind of blankets the atmosphere. Um, so it kind of keeps all of the heat out. Not mm-hmm. all of it, of course. Um, but yeah, I, and so that in and of itself, if that that's accurate, that we're, the earth is actually supposed to be cooling right now. That's like even more concerned. <laughs> yeah, that would concerning. be. Um, but the other thing that I heard in there that was kind of interesting is I guess we've known about the impacts that humans have on the environment and the warming of the earth since the 1850s. Um, I don't remember the guy's name, but he had done research about <laughs> CO2 and how CO2 warms the, the, the energy that it puts out warms areas that it's put in. Um, well, and uh, it acts as like a, a blanket. Like if you yeah. if you think of gases and you know our atmosphere is like holding in heat because the only reason why we are not an ice cold like a, a planet of ice is because we have an atmosphere that holds in heat and kind of make, gives a blanket to the Earth and so CO two is essentially throwing on a couple extra down comforters yeah as as you increase it. And so, like, eventually, you know, we're going to be a hot, humid greenhouse and there will be our oceans or all of our ice will be melted. And then then that goes that will that will trans transfer into a huge uh, ice age that'll just happen. It'll be probably the worst ice age we've ever had if our earth keeps heating at the rate that it and it does is yeah but that's really interesting i uh i hadn't read that we are actually going through a cooling phase right now well i mean we're heating up one way or another but right we were supposed to be going through a cooling phase that's interesting um so kind of back to what i had asked before about like talking with people about this because it it can be a very heated topic (laughs) (laughs) um and you and i both know that throwing facts and figures or scientific research at people is sometimes not an effect or most most often if they're firmly entrenched are it actually has kind of a backfire effect um well, I, I did a little bit of reading about how you can have conversations with people about climate change and they give three kind of practical tips. And I know we have a be kind later in the episode, but, but this is more of just like pertinent to having a conversation with somebody about it. So we'll still have a be kind, but this is just something that I thought would be cool to share. So the tip, first tip that, that's given, uh, and this is from the climate reality project. Um, The first tip is emphasize what you have in common. So um, for like example, um, you know, like someone that works at a fire station, you know, they wear their dress uniform. Uh, They lead the discussion with the danger that climate change poses to emergency services. So like speaking to like, well, you're going to be fighting more fires, you know, like those different kinds of things, because 
things are drying out, more prone to that happening. So really making it relatable to the person that you're talking with. Uh, because the other thing is you run the risk of it being too pie in the sky, like, cool, that affects somebody across the world or somebody, but I'm not as directly impacted by it. But if you help it kind of hit uh, close to home, it can be pretty helpful to, to do that. Um, and then, you know, we want to take care of people. That's another part that, that they talk about is, you know, emphasizing if you can't find any commonality or any sort of uh, way to speak about it to them, you know, just like we all want to take care of people that we love. Um, so you just universal truth is to just say, you know, we we just need to have empathy and care about each other. Uh, and that's a way to, to kind of move forward from there. The other thing is uh, the next tip would be to focus on science, uh, but also not to be afraid to use humor. Um, and, and it's important to make clear at the outset that there is an extremely broad agreement among uh, world scientists on the basic facts of human-caused climate change. Um, you know, want to make sure that you're keeping the science of focus when you talk about climate change, but that doesn't mean that wit is off limits. Um, so you can use humor to kind of break through rather than barging through the front door with facts and figures and numbers, trying to find a side door that might still be open. And that side door often takes the form of humor. So if you can inject some humor into your discussion with them, um, that can also be helpful. And then finally is tip number three, find an approach that works for you. Um, really just want to talk about it with people that you know. Um, that doesn't mean that you need to have the same approach as everybody else. When you strike up the conversation, just try to be authentic. Um, you got to know your audience and know yourself and also know your stuff. That's what uh, Dr. Mann, who is a climate scientist, is referenced saying. And know thy stuff means also to me that know what you don't know and be honest about it. So don't claim to be an expert that you know everything about climate change. Um, but also to own up to what you do know and to talk through that with people. So I don't know if that's helpful for anyone, but I thought it was kind of interesting to have, you know, anytime you can have a few tips or guidelines about how to have conversations with people it can be a pretty daunting task mm -hmm. um, to come up to those uh, on your own with no strategy. So. Agreed. Uh, it is, I don't know why, it's always befuddled me that this topic is such a controversial thing because it's, we have one earth, we have one chance and even if even if climate change isn't as bad because it's happening but if it's not as bad as they're predicting these by contrast or by by uh comparison these interventions that we're doing as humans uh, as a world well we that we w were leading as a country four years ago but now we're not are actually so small like we're really not as a as a as a species spending a m up that much of our resources and time combating it the interventions that we are doing will make this world a better place anyway so like right. i it that is always befuddled me why people fight it so hard i mean it's it's so contradictory it makes no sense mm -hmm. worst comes to worst we make our world a better place and why is that a bad thing wholeheartedly agree all right should we should we take our break yeah sounds good and we'll be right back with the be kind sounds good
welcome back to the podcast where you will unlock the secrets of the universe. Oh. <laughs> so, Jim, be kind today. Um. So, uh, it's just one piece of advice. If you don't do something to help change climate change, uh, I am going to put out a hit on the black web for you. <laughs> In the most no. economically and con- and uh, environmentally minds er, way possible. There we go. Yes. All right. No, actually, um, so I got this from davidsuzuki.org. Uh, it's a Canadian organization that is striving to uh, provide people with resources, with things that they they themselves can do. Because I mean, at, like like you said earlier, you can feel so powerless as a single individual in this thing. But but that every every little thing each person does can make a profound impact if we all do it. Yeah. Um so actually they suggest that you should um eat more meat-free meals. Uh that that is not cutting meat completely out, out of your diet. It's just meat is very environmentally uh impactful. A livestock per, per, per eats a lot of grain. It eat, eat, a livestock requires a lot of food. It takes a lot of land for it. And they produce a very large uh, portion of the greenhouse gases that we talk about so much, like methane and CO2. And the small gesture of just eating less meat will decrease the overall burden on our farming ecosystems and our atmosphere because you just there won't be as much meat produced you decrease the demand you decrease the supply yeah um another one is buy organic and local and more importantly buy local whenever possible um there is uh a lot to be said from like growing your own um, food or buying food growing around your uh, town because it you don't depend as much on you know big worldwide producers and you know all all of that grain that has to be shipped, all of that food and fruits that has to be shipped across the oceans. When you decrease that demand, you decrease the amount of uh, transportation of goods. And we all know that transportation of goods is one of the major causes for uh, uh, CO2 emissions. Because like all of the trucking, all of the, uh, the shipping, it's a large portion. Uh, don't waste food. And these are all like food-centric because... Uh, that is a one of the major that's what's one of the biggest things we can do as individuals we can drive the mar- the food market because we all 
buy into it. Uh, yeah. don't, three, three is don't waste food. Um, that just goes into the supply and demand. Like you, you just be econ- be economically mindful when you eat. And uh, what were some of the other things they suggested? Use energy wisely. Uh, if possible, transition to renewables. Start a climate conversation, which we, which Ryan gave some pretty uh, awesome tips to how to navigate a conversation about climate change. And get politically active and vote. That's that's something that we can all do if we're of the age to vote. You know, just keep climate change in your mind when you go to the voting booth and who supports it, who denies it, who's actively fighting it. Um, and you can make a difference yeah. there. Some good advice, some good tips. I will reemphasize when you vote, if you are of age in the U.S., vote, make your vote count for someone who actually acknowledges publicly that climate change exists and is impacted by humans. And our current president does not do that. So anyway, without getting too political, that is what I would suggest. And you know what you need to do. Um, okay, cool. Well, thanks for those tips, Jim. I, I will be more mindful of some of those things. I know it's tough for me personally, sometimes to think of meals without meat in them, but some meals are just less meat. Yeah. You don't have to cut meat out. Just less. Yeah. Those are, those are small things you can do. Radio. All right. Well, we'll take a quick break and then we'll be right back with the recommendation. Jim. Brian. Welcome to the podcast and also Ryan's Kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> so Jim, what's uh what's the recommendation for this week? Uh Ryan. <laughs> uh, my recommendation is that it's your recommendation. Oh, okay. All right. Sounds good. Um, Well, in the spirit of the season, because we are now officially in fall, autumn, I am a huge fan of chili. And so I have a chili recipe that I would like to share with everyone. It's actually an Instant Pot chili recipe. So for any of you who have an Instant Pot out there, it is relatively low effort uh, once you've kind of gotten the ingredients ready and put everything in there. Um, so it's basically just like any other chili recipe. And, and, as been, and, and as mentioned in one of our earlier episodes, you should really experiment with the ingredients. I mean, if you don't like something, then leave it out and substitute something else in or whatever uh, you enjoy. Put more of it in. 
Um, right. So, so this is, I won't bore everybody with reading out exactly what the measurements are of the ingredients, but these are just a few things that are in this recipe. So if any of it sounds good, of course, beans, that's a staple. Um, you can use whatever kind of beans you want, but I, I would normally suggest using pinto beans. Um, an onion, some beef chicken. If you want a vegan option, uh, you could try soy chorizo, uh, which I have never tried, but that's interesting thing that, that you could substitute in, in the spirit of our episode. Um, garlic, pepper, cumin, oregano. A uh, couple of fun things. Uh, I really like heat in my chili, so I'll normally try to do some jalapenos. Um, but you can do something more spicy if you want. And then you do some broth, so some chicken, beef, or vegetable broth, whichever of those. So this is kind of a fun twist, is you actually add in a cup of dark beer Ooh-hoo-hoo. in this in this recipe. Uh, and then Worcestershire sauce. It's Brian, the correct pronunciation is Worcestershire. Okay. Worcestershire. Worcestershire sauce. And then you put some cocoa powder and some more smoked paprika. You can add some uh, frozen corn or diced be- uh, bell peppers too. And then you just put whatever you want on top. So anyway, I did drill through quite a few of the ingredients, but just wanted to give you an idea of what was in there. Um, and I'll share this recipe on the episode notes, but it is very, 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 very good. Um, and it's actually really quick to make it it really only takes about 30 minutes to make just dump it all in a pot turn up the heat and and let your earth catch on fire right and let your (laughs) um you you can do the same recipe and and just like a traditional slow cooker and i personally think chili tastes better the next day because everything's kind of had more time for the flavors to percolate and all that kind of right. stuff. The, um, more times for the ingredients to get to know each other. But yeah, so after the, the meat and greet happens <laughs> between those ingredients, <laughs> yeah, they the become greet. they become friends. Um, so anyway, that that is my recommendation for the week. Um, I am a huge fan of chili. It's kind of comfort food, but it also just makes me feel in the fall spirit. So hopefully some or a few of you will enjoy the recipe or just maybe that just inspired you to make your own recipe of chili yeah that's just as good maybe maybe that that sudden desire to make that grandma's recipe of chili just percolated in your mind yeah yeah well when uh when the earth is got you all warm you can cool off some chili (laughs) (laughs) absolutely and also just a a small aside cornbread with chili is kind of a staple but any sort of addition that you can make i've i've actually had really good cornbread muffins with chili Mm -hmm. and you can just break off half of the muffin for one bowl and then when you go back to get your second bowl also i want to i want to do a quick insert here i know this isn't my week to recommend but when you're, making your, you when you're making your cornbread, corn uh, do yourself a favor, cook up some poblanos, some poblano peppers. They can like roast them or saute them, whatever. Dice them up, 
Throw them in your cornbread with some cheddar cheese, and you got yourself a good time. Yeah, that's that's a good idea. I might have to take that one. But also, how dare you, Jim? I know. I just completely <laughs> heated up this episode. Yeah. Well, insert more puns, but uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. And Jim, as always, it's a pleasure, and we will see you all next week. Perfect. Sounds good. Hey, everybody. Thank you for listening to the podcast. We hope you enjoy listening to it as much as Jim and I enjoy making it. If you'd like to subscribe, we will be sending out future content uh, within the coming weeks, months, and years. So feel free to do that, and we'd love to have you around. And Ryan, don't forget, we're on social media. Oh, that's right. We are on Twitter at ExpandMind, be kind, and that is the letter B. Uh, And then uh, we are also on Gmail. If you want to send us an email, it's uh, expandyourmindandbekind at gmail.com. Yeah, send us questions or any thoughts that anyone may have, and uh, can't wait till the next episode. Like Dr. Dre. (laughs) Today's quote is from Roger Ebert. We live in a box of space and time. Movies are windows and its walls. They allow us to enter other characters' minds, not simply in the sense of identifying with the characters, although that is an important part of it, but by seeing the world as another person sees it.